we are back for another great episode of How to Acquire Podcast. And I was just telling our guest today, one of the reasons why we launched this podcast was to have this conversation right here. All the other conversations we have are very important. They're top tier conversations, whether it's studying an industry, whether it's learning about the VC space, whatever it is, they're all very, very important. They all matter to me, right? But the, one of the reasons why I started this podcast is to talk about business acquisitions. Because once I learned about business acquisitions, I said, this is a game changer. And why is it more people talking about this? Uh, so, we, so for us to learn about this topic, I want to bring on someone who actually is living it on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Kenna Craver, the business buyer, welcome to How to Acquire Podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you so much, DJ. I'm doing very well, and thank you for having me. I'm doing great. You're very welcome. For those who don't know who you are, what you're currently doing on a day-to-day basis, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned, my name is Kenna Craver. I am an investor. I invest in e-commerce businesses. Um, And basically, I own and manage uh, my own private equity firm, which is called Kamel Capital. And I also teach other people about how to acquire e-commerce businesses. So my day-to-day is essentially looking for deals, um, managing my own portfolio, and just working one-on-one with clients, teaching them the process of acquiring an e-commerce business and just advising them on any of their acquisitions. This is going to be really good. (laughs) You just, you mentioned a few things in there that seem so simple, but for many people, they wouldn't even know where to begin. And I'm probably one of those people. You mentioned having your own private equity firm. Some people don't even know what private equity is. Then you mentioned about acquiring e-commerce businesses. People know what e-commerce is, but they usually know it from being a customer. And so you're on the other side, making sure that the customers get what they need. So let's kind of go down this path. How did you, how did you become a business buyer? Where did that all begin for you? Yeah. And so it's funny because when I'm asked that question, it's, you know, my answer is always, I just kind of stumbled into it because like you just said, so many people are are unaware of, you know, private equity or even acquiring businesses. And I was one of them as well. So I'm right there with you. Um, I actually spent my early career in the tech industry. So I started off in tech as a product manager and a business analyst managing the design and development of software and mobile applications. So I've always been very comfortable with technology. It's always been a passion of mine. I used to code websites when I was a teenager way back in the day during the dial-up days. I'm telling my age there. Um, (laughs) I won't tell nobody. (laughs) Except everybody that's listening. (laughs) Right. Um, So I worked in various industries uh, as a business analyst and product manager. However, the one I enjoyed the most was when I worked in the e-commerce division of a luxury retailer. And e-com was just beginning to become more accessible for individuals instead of just large corporations around this time. So this was pre-Shopify and pre-Instagram and all that stuff. Um, And I actually decided to try my hand at launching my own e-commerce business. And I made a little bit of progress, but nothing sustainable. And so when I decided to leave the corporate world and just kind of dive into entrepreneurship, you know, I tried so many different things and e-com was one of them. Um, and I remember just listening to a podcast one day and hearing the host ask the guest, you know, the guest was someone who had managed or who owned an e-commerce business that was really successful. And so the host asked the guest, you know, what would you do if you had to start over again? And the guest responded, I wouldn't, I would just buy, I would just buy one. And that was my first time learning that you could actually just buy an e-commerce business. And I remember when I heard that, I thought it sounded, you know, just, he made it sound so simple. And I thought, what do you mean you could just buy one? And so that kind of led me down this rabbit hole of research. And that is how I uncovered, you know, the world of private equity, number one, but also buying e-commerce businesses. So I just, I really did just kind of stumble into it. 
Okay, so let's talk about after you stumbled into it and you're and you're in this new world. What was the process like to acquire your first business? And now that you've gone through it, what would you have changed about that first acquisition? So the first or the process to acquire my business was it was actually, you know, don't get it wrong, just like with any new journey, you're starting out, you have to learn everything from scratch. Um, so from the time I would say that I actually learned that it was possible to do this to the time that I actually closed on the business was about, uh, it was a little over a year, maybe a year and a half. So I'd say maybe like 14, 14, 15 months. Um, And the bulk of that time was spent learning everything that I could possibly learn about it because I'm brand new to this. I didn't have anyone in my network that was in private equity. Um, You know, I had to learn everything from scratch. And so uh, learning and then just diving into it and starting to look for deals, you know, I I learned best by just doing it. And so I just dove in and I started looking for deals and I started setting up meetings with uh, business owners, the sellers um, to get more information about their business. And, you know, I ended up, I think, making offers on I've lost count of how many offers I made. Probably, you know, as far as like ones that actually got to the stage of LOI, which is the letter of intent to actually acquire the business, I probably signed, you know, maybe like three or four LOIs, but I looked at hundreds of businesses and had, like I said, countless meetings with sellers. So the process was definitely, you know, it was, I like to say it was, you know, it was simple, but it wasn't easy. And that's just because the process, you know, to acquire an asset like a business, I mean, it's pretty much, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four, you know. Um, And then once I found it, the seller, I'd say I got lucky probably because the seller of that business was actually, you know, he was really great, really professional. Uh, He provided me with all the information that I needed to complete due diligence and all that. And we actually closed fairly quickly. It was within two weeks. So that, that whole process, like I said, I think I got a little bit lucky because from what I've learned in the community that I'm, the communities that I'm in of uh, people who, who do this for a living, living people who buy mm-hmm. businesses for a living, um, the average time that it takes for someone to actually acquire a business can be anywhere from two to four years. Right. I did it in, like I said, 14, 15 months. So um, like I said, I, I think I got a little bit lucky there, but for me, that was just how I knew that I was in the right place at the right time. Okay. And you just said something there that is a perfect uh, thing for us to examine. Because you're saying you got lucky, and then you also said you're in the right place at the right time. Your preparation allowed you to be, quote unquote, lucky. You, you positioned yourself to have really great opportunities come to you. You're reaching out to people, like you said, over 100 people. So you did put the work in, and the fruits of your labor paid off. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. You're, you're right. I, I don't mean to like discount the effort that I put in because I definitely put in a lot of work and there were definitely moments that were, you know, up and down and frustrating. Um, but you're, you're right. I would absolutely agree with that. So after you acquire your first business, how is that different than maybe other asset classes where maybe if you're investing in the stock market uh, or if you're investing in real estate, those seem to be the ones that everybody talks about. Stock market, real estate. And I'm not sure if your investment background, but how did this differ or how was it similar to other asset classes out there? So from my research and just conversations I've had with other investors that do this for a living, Business acquisitions are consistently best performing asset class. And there's a few reasons for that, but I would say primarily the main reason why I was drawn to it is because of the immediate return on your investment. Usually with, um, for example, real estate, which is a great, it's still, uh, real estate is still a great investment. I'm not discounting that in any way, but it is a long-term game. Um, it is something that you, you know, you may get a return after, after a certain number of years. And there's definitely that case with business acquisitions, depending on the size of the business and the, the, you know, deal structures and things like that. But 
and what I teach my clients, which is specifically buying e-commerce businesses, from the time that that business is transferred over to you, that revenue now starts coming to you. So whatever money that you invested up front, you immediately start getting a return on that money as soon as that business is transferred over to you. So for me, that is the primary way that business acquisitions as an asset class differs from all the other ones. Plus, one more thing is that it's less risky. Mm. Yeah, it's less risky um, because business acquisitions, specifically with e-commerce businesses, they are less prone to the volatility of the market. So things like stocks and you know real estate, you hear about things like, of course, we went through the housing crisis and all that kind of stuff. But what happened last year, we're recording this in May of 2021, what we just came out of with the pandemic, e-commerce businesses were probably one of the primary industries that actually saw growth during this time because everything had to pivot to e-com. So, you know, many of my investor friends were cleaning up <laughs> by looking at looking for deals because they saw this, they saw that it was happening. And so they immediately just started acquiring all these e-commerce businesses. So that was, that's the other thing is that it's, there's less risk inherent in acquiring businesses and especially uh, digital, digital businesses. But Kenna, I'm, I guess I'm a little confused because you're telling me this is one of the best performing asset classes. Yet when I'm scrolling through Instagram, sometimes LinkedIn, sometimes anywhere on social media, it's all about real estate and it's all about stocks. And I rarely hear anyone talk about buying businesses. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's the secret or this hidden uh, thing in the marketplace that no one seems to talk about? You know what, DJ, we are just really not taught this. And something that I'm always hammering in to anyone that listens to me when I when I talk about this stuff, because I can talk about it all day, is that this is, and, and you actually mentioned this yourself, this is something that the wealthy teach each other. Like they teach each other how to acquire businesses, how to acquire these cash flowing assets. And I mean, I think the reason why we don't see people talking about it is because they are unaware of the opportunity. Mm. You know, if, if they knew about it, they would talk about it way more because it really is kind of mind blowing. Um, when you think about it, just thinking, oh, wait a minute, I don't have to start a business. I can just acquire one that's already generating revenue. I can just completely skip that. I like to say skip the startup struggle. Um, and I even call it the entrepreneurship cheat code. Because you literally just get to dive in to something that is already working instead of having to build something from scratch, which really people don't talk about this part enough. Entrepreneurship is hard. If you've ever tried to start something from scratch, you know the work that's inherent in, in building something and actually making it successful. Like I commend entrepreneurs. I actually don't even refer to myself as an entrepreneur because I, I think I failed miserably as an entrepreneur. Um, just because I, I tried so many different things that didn't work out or just weren't sustainable. And I didn't start to see success until I became an investor and basically just kind of got in once it was already working. So I think the reason why we don't hear about it is because people are just unaware of the opportunity. You mentioned uh, an investor. It makes me think of Robert Kiyosaki's Four Quadrants, right? And he talks about being an employee, being self-employed, being a business owner, and then being an investor. And he always, on all the different things that I've seen him, he always says, you want to be an investor. You want to be an investor. Uh, but many people, like we were just talking about, they really want to be an, uh, a business owner. They want to say that they, they run the business. Or some people just want to be self-employed. Um, why do you think? more people aren't looking at being an investor similar to yourself? I think primarily because when you hear the term investor, you automatically think you need a ton of capital. Um, and that's definitely what stopped me. You know, I think uh, just like you said, in the four quadrants, you think it's a, like, it's a stair step. It's a ladder to get to that part, you know? So I think people are just unaware that you can actually just skip all the other steps and go straight to investor and you don't need a ton of capital to do so. There's so many different ways that you can just specifically for what I do with acquiring uh, businesses, 
there's so many different ways that you can structure a deal to where you don't need any capital upfront or you can find a way to raise capital because I always say a good deal can find the capital. If you got a good deal, there are people out there that will give you money to help you acquire that because they want to uh, increase their own wealth, increase their own income. And so I think um, that's just buying businesses, like I said, it's just like the, the best way to generate wealth. And it's just the best way to become, um, I guess, financially free is the best way to describe it because mm -hmm. you really can acquire a business and have it to where it's actually generating passive income for you to where you can basically have that lifestyle that you like that lifestyle freedom to be able to you know spend your time however you want to do it and be financially free so um i think that's why most people just kind of skip the whole uh investor route in general because they think they have to go through all these different stages to get there and you you actually don't like you can figure out a way to actually just go straight to investing you mentioned a few things and i definitely want to get to some action steps that people can take. But you mentioned a few things so far that I wanna point out. You're saying money is not necessarily an issue in order to be an investor. You're saying that when you acquire a business, um, you immediately, the profits, the revenues that are coming in, they're now going to be turned over to you. You don't have to wait a six months return on investment. You don't necessarily have to wait a, a year or whatever it may be. Sometimes in real estate, you might have to wait eight to 10 years before you see anything. And so I'm just listening to this. And of course, prior to us talking, uh, I've had conversations on the business acquisition side. So uh, I'm acting like I don't know. But in reality, I think this is the best kept secret. Well, I guess we're not keeping it now, but it's one of the best kept secrets in the world of business. I too, I was never really big on building something from scratch. I, was, I wasn't big at it because I wasn't that great at it, right? And then once I started talking to people and just listening to them, I said, wait a second, the, the real wealth in, in our society happens very quietly, right? And so when I heard about acquiring businesses, the first thing I was thinking in my mind is, well, no one's talking about it. How is all this happening behind the scenes? <laughs> Who's talking to what? And when is that person talking? And how, how do I get in the mix? So now that you have taken the time to sit down with us here at How to Acquire a Podcast, what are some of the steps people can take today in order to get themselves into alignment to become that investor, become that business buyer? So uh, that's a great question. And I think, like I said, I think the first step is probably just mental and just getting, getting your, uh, or getting over that thought that you have to have a lot of money and that you have to have all this experience um, or maybe even thinking that you have to have a large network, like just get all of that out of your mind because you can definitely start from where you are and begin to invest in businesses. Um, and like I said, I focus specifically on e-commerce businesses, but you can also buy brick and mortar businesses. I know that you talk about that a lot on your podcast as well. So um, just in case, you know, being in the digital space isn't for you. But so I think the first step would be thinking or understanding that you can be an investor now with no experience, not much capital, if any, and uh, no network. And then secondly, just start thinking about what type of asset you would want to own, because that's important. So uh, like I said, I specifically focus on, on digital assets. And just for clarity, when I say digital assets, I'm, I'm referring to internet properties that you can buy and sell for profit. So that can be a website, an e-commerce business, a software or mobile app. Um, social media accounts, domain names, any other, any online asset with resale value. The main characteristic of a digital asset is that it's intangible. 
So um, just understanding what type of assets you would want to own. So I actually teach my clients, you know, think about your criteria, think about um, for, for e-commerce specifically, what type of business model you want to own. So do you want to be a drop shipper or do you actually want to carry inventory and things like that? Because once you acquire the business, you do, you will have to operate it unless you acquire a business that already has employees in place that are doing the day-to-day for you. Um, and that's, again, that's a matter of personal preference. So just understanding what type of asset you want to own. Do you want to be hands-on? Do you want to run the day-to-day or are you really just investing in this asset so that you can get this income and you are happy to pay employees to run the day-to-day for you so that it's more passive? So understanding that, understanding what kind of industry you want to be in um, and, and just thinking about, you know, do you want to have investors or do you want to do this on your own? So you know, one of the main questions people ask me is, is it possible to do this on my own? Like how much money would I need to, to acquire a business? And really I have seen deals from, you know, like no money at all upfront and basically pay for the business over time, similar to a mortgage. Uh, so like, you know, you go to the, when you want to buy a house, you go to the bank, you get a mortgage and you might have to put some money down and then you pay monthly, you know, to the bank to, to pay off that house. You can actually buy a business in that same way. Um, it really depends on the seller and what they're looking for. So if you find a seller that's looking for a ton of money up front, then that's probably not the deal for you. But if you find a seller that's like, hey, I just, you know, I love my business, but I don't have time to operate it anymore. I just want it to be passed on to someone who's going to continue to grow it. And, you know, money is not their their primary goal. They just really care that it's being taken care of. Um, You could probably negotiate some type of deal with that seller to where you don't have to put anything down up front. So don't let money stop you. I just want to keep reiterating that because I, I I know a lot of people, that's a hurdle for a lot of people to get over. And once you do, like the, just the world just opens up to you. So just understanding your criteria and um, what you're looking for and um, just taking it from there. I think those are the, the first two steps. And that that's a lot, that's a lot of effort to begin with. Um, and then just kind of starting to search for a business. And this is something that I teach my clients as well. Um, and I actually... Uh, created a free resource for your listeners exclusively, um, because another question that I get is, where do I find businesses for sale? And there's actually a few different ways, a few different places that you can find businesses for sale. Um, And one of those ways is via marketplaces. There are actually online marketplaces that list businesses for sale. So similar to like a Zillow or Trulia, when you're looking for a home, um, you can go to these websites and actually see listings for businesses for sale. And so I definitely want to make sure your audience gets that free resource um, and I'll make sure I give you the link, the link to that so you can share it with them. But it's at thebizbuyer.co forward slash free. So just begin searching for deals, begin having conversations with business owners and basically just dive in. That's, that's what I did. And you're going to learn a lot as you go. Um, and then, of course, once you find something, you have to go through the process of due diligence and all that kind of stuff. But I'll stop right there just in case you have some more questions for me. I have a few more, and I want to say thank you <laughs> for providing that guide for our listeners. I think that's going to be very valuable uh, to know where to look and you know how to search. Once they go through that search, of course, we'll have the link in the show notes for them to begin that uh, process they're actually going to have to talk to the sellers eventually, right? Either them or I guess someone in their company, but somebody's going to have to talk to these sellers. And I want to talk about that real quick too, because I found that that's one of the other hurdles that people make up in their mind. You know, first it's money. And then once you say, oh, you ain't got to worry about that. Then they got to make up another thing. And they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know if I can talk to these business owners. In their mind, they put them up here in their head of, you know, I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm intimidated by these business owners. What have you found with communicating with people uh, who happen to own a business, and we call them business owners, and in this situation, potential sellers, 
how has the interaction been actually working with them? Are they intimidating? Are they not intimidating? What has been your experience? You know, what's funny is that just like most people who have never bought a business before or maybe just listening to this and hearing it for the first time, most business owners or sellers have never sold a business. And so that's an opportunity for you to mentally even the, the playing field, right? Like you both are new to this. And so um, something else that I teach my clients is that's an opportunity for you to take the lead because these sellers have never sold a business. They're new to this. They don't really understand or know what they should be doing. Um, and this is how, you know, brokers can kind of come in and add value to that, to that uh, circumstance for sellers. But for sellers that are not working with brokers and they just, you know, they're, they're just listing their business for sale, um, they don't really know, you know, what information they need to provide to you. They don't really know what the process is. And so you as a potential buyer have a leg up right there. So you, you definitely want to step in and take the lead um, and, and take them through the process yourself, you know, so understand what the process is, first of all. So learn about that and then um, kind of guide them through the process and make sure that you're getting all the information that you need. So I teach my, my clients to basically, first of all, you're, this is a human to human interaction, right? So don't go into it just thinking this is just a transaction, you know, just numbers. Build a relationship with this person because most of the time sellers, you know, when they when you build a business and it's successful, it's profitable, um, it can be like a child to you. Right. You really care about it. And so a lot of times they really just want to know where it's going, you know, who, who it's going to and what they're going to do with it. Because, you know, it matters to them that all their work that they just put in to build a successful business isn't just kind of isn't just going to, you know, vanish into the into thin air. So build a relationship with, with the seller, get to know them, build that rapport. That also helps you in the event that there are other potential buyers looking at that specific business. So if the seller has, you know, other offers on the table by you building rapport with them and actually having a relationship that might actually win you the business over other buyers. So build that relationship, take the lead, understand that the seller is probably, you know, and, and of course there's going to be exceptions to this, but most sellers, like I said, this is their first time selling a business. So take the lead, guide them through the process. And basically just ensure that you're getting all the information that you need, understand, you know, the day-to-day -day because the seller is just in their business day-to-day -day operating it. There's going to be so much information that's just stored in their head that they don't have documented anywhere that you're going to need as a new owner. So as you're having conversations with them, you really want to understand what that day-to-day -day looks like. You really want to talk to them and say, what is your, what does your Monday look like? What do you do? Walk me through it. You know, you wake up, you check your emails, you talk to customers, maybe you talk to your suppliers. You want to understand as the potential new buyer, potential new owner, I should say, um, what that what that day to day operations entails, because you want to know if that's something you even want to take on. Right. Like maybe you find out that it's a lot and it's not really something that you have the time nor the energy for. So. Just build a relationship with the seller, understand their business, dig into the weeds, find out everything you possibly can. But like I said, this is their first time selling a business most of the time. So that's an opportunity for you as, as the potential buyer to, to take the lead and actually guide them through that. Thank you for uh, sharing that wisdom. After somebody acquires their first business, I remember having this conversation uh, with an investor and he's been, you know, acquiring businesses for 10 plus years. I, I was asking him, um, what would you have done differently in the beginning? And one of the things that he said was, um, I would have acquired more earlier. I would have built a portfolio rather than thinking, well, let me just get this one business and I'm going to chill for four or five years and then maybe I'll sell this and get another one. He didn't realize, I get maybe he did or didn't, but he didn't realize that, oh, I can have four, I can have five, I can have multiple uh, businesses. And since I know you're coming from the PE space, I, of course, I don't know your portfolio, but how important is it to have a portfolio mindset when acquiring businesses? 
So I think DJ that that would probably be a, a matter of preference, honestly, because I actually am a part of a, a large community of people who were only seeking to acquire one business. Okay. And and they there's that's their goal. They want to acquire one small business. They want to operate it for a number of years, and then at some point they want to exit. Um, and then maybe do it again if that's something that, that they want to do. So I think it's a matter of preference, uh, deciding whether or not you want to actually own just one or build a portfolio. I do think there are benefits to owning a portfolio, specifically around diversification, because, you know, you know, you have different businesses in your portfolio. They might be in different industries and they might all be in one industry. Either way, there might be fluctuations in income, you know, month to month, year to year. So it's always a good idea just to have some diversification in your portfolio. And I think another, another thing that might trip people up is the management of it. And to that, I would say, you know, always compare it to real estate because that's, that's, that's the other asset class that people can, you know, kind of wrap their hands around, mm -hmm. uh, wrap their head around, excuse me. And so, when you think about if you were owning a ton of properties as a real estate investor, you would probably engage a property manager, someone who can go in and manage all the, you know, manage the tenants for you, collect rents and all that kind of stuff. So you're not as a landlord, as a landlord going in and having to do all that yourself. You can do something similar to that with, uh, with a portfolio of businesses. So you can actually have managers of each business or even just have, you know, one manager that's taking care of every division of each business. Because at the end of the day, all businesses have the same structure, right? There's operations, there's marketing, there's sales, there's, you know, your finance and all that stuff. So you could actually have a team of people that are handling the marketing for your portfolio, you can have people that are managing the operations for your portfolio. It's specifically with e-com, this is really, uh, it's, it's, it's easier than I think than owning brick and mortar businesses because everything is online. So you can literally have a team of people that's remote all over the world who are helping you to manage this portfolio. So you as the portfolio owner can spend more time looking for deals if, if you're building your portfolio out, you can spend your time looking for deals and then having people manage the day-to-day -day for you. So it really is a matter of preference. Like I said, some people only want to own one and they're good with that. That's enough for them. And then other people, if you're building out a portfolio, there's definitely ways to do so to where you can still stay at that high strategic level and have other people manage the day-to-day -day for you. Beautifully put. You mentioned about owning or having... Uh, people in place who can manage um, from all over the world. What has been your experience with international businesses? Is that more difficult to acquire, even if it is on the digital space where really it can be anywhere, right? But is it different when a company is in a whole nother uh, country and is receiving the, the bulk of its uh, money from a, a different currency? Is, is that an issue? Is that something to pay attention to? Is that a red flag or is international a green light for you? What has been your preference? So the beauty of the internet is that you can literally conduct business from anywhere, anywhere and sell to anybody, anywhere. And actually the business that I acquired was based in Morocco. Nice. So the, the great thing about, you know, digital assets and e-commerce businesses specifically is that there are a number, a number of apps that actually convert currencies. So nice. depending on where your customer is, when they go to your store and buy your product, they're going to see whatever currency they use, whatever currency they pay with um, based on where they live. So it's actually like very simple to acquire an international business. Um, and as far as how things work on the back end with these platforms, uh, for spe specifically for e-commerce businesses like Shopify, um, that's, a, that's one of the, that's the market leader basically for e-commerce platforms. 
they basically handle everything on the back end for you. So it really doesn't matter where your customer is located and it doesn't matter where you're located. The sales are coming in and they're still coming to your bank account. So um, it's, it's actually a, a very simple process. So it's not a red flag at all. If anything, I would, you know, depending on the industry that the business is in, so whatever products you're selling. So if you're selling beauty products or, you know, fashion or something like that, you, I'm pretty sure you won't have any issues. Disclaimer here, I'm not an attorney. So definitely engage <laughs> your attorney if, you know, you, you definitely want to get more details about that. Um, but I will say if you were something in a, in a more taboo industry, you know, like something, you know, dealing with maybe cannabis or something, something along those lines, then you might want to look into the regulations and, and things like that to ensure that you're, you're staying compliant. Uh, and again, I would definitely engage an attorney in that situation. But other than that, as far as acquiring a business that's located in a, in a different country than you are, it's, it's not an issue at all. Earlier, we talked about one of the benefits of being a business buyer over starting your own business is that you're instantly seeing that return on investment and you're cutting out that, that beginning part. There's something else that you mentioned that I think is another huge benefit. And maybe it's just the way my mind works, especially if you're looking to build a portfolio, because now I can instantly go into any industry at any time through that acquisition. And I don't necessarily have to put 20 years into the industry or you know, know this person or know this person in order to get into it. I can literally acquire a business in this industry and then the next acquisition could be in another industry and then the next one could be in another industry. And now I'm in three different industries simultaneously without necessarily having to go through the gatekeepers in order to do it. Is, is there any, uh, truth to what I'm saying or what, 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 what you have found so far? Absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you can definitely get into any industry that you want and there's businesses available for sale in, in any industry. I, I always ask my clients, what, what industry do you like? Because I'm sure we can find something. So um, I would definitely, again, going back to what we were talking about previously about portfolio building, um, and diversification, that would be a great idea to invest in different industries to uh, maintain a diverse portfolio. So depending on, you know, what's going on in one industry, you know, you might find more success in another industry, uh, another business that's in another industry. So definitely it's possible and it's a great idea. As an investor, I'm industry agnostic. I really just care about the numbers so I, really, I just, I, I want to see that profit and loss statement. I want to see that revenue. I don't really care what the industry is. Do you have customers? Are you generating revenue? Are you profitable? That's what I care about. However, depending on what type of investor you are, if you really do want to be passionate, you know, about whatever industry that you're in, maybe you have a passion for pets, maybe you have a passion for automotive, you love cars or electronics, something like that, then definitely, you know, find businesses that are within those industries, but keep an open mind because you might come across you know, something else that you like. People ask me all the time, oh, I already own an e-commerce business in this industry and I would love to buy one, but I'm thinking maybe I should stick with this industry because I know it. And I say, well, yeah, you can definitely do that because you have that industry expertise. You already know what to do to, to scale the business once you acquire it. However, if you are just buying it as an asset, as an investment, definitely try to keep an open mind because you might find something out there that is really profitable, is growing, and there's a great chance that you can even flip it, you know, exit, because maybe you don't want to hold on to it. Maybe you just want to flip it for a profit. Keep, keep that in mind because you can definitely uh, do that as well. So uh, having multiple businesses in multiple industries, I think is a great idea. You mentioned earlier about Morocco. I have to ask this. As you're acquiring these digital assets, has it freed up your time for you to be able to travel and see the world or uh, see the things that you want to see? Now that you aren't tied to anything physical, you're able to move freely. So how has that allowed you to um, make your travel plans and, and your decisions in that area? 
Yeah, and that's actually one of my favorite things about owning digital properties is because you have that location independence. There is no physical location needed. So you can definitely be anywhere in the world and as long as you have the internet and some type of computer or even your phone, you can operate a business from a phone these days. So that's why I have uh, basically pivoted to digital only. I would absolutely be open to acquiring brick and mortar businesses, but digital just has so much, there's just so many more benefits to me personally as an investor um, to acquiring digital businesses because you get that location independence so you can be anywhere and operate your business. You can have employees anywhere in the world that can run the business for you. So definitely it's, it's something that, that speaks to me personally. And I think a lot of people, I think we're finding that right now with so many people working remotely, um, you know, now and wanting to be digital nomads. We hear that term a lot. So I think acquiring an e-commerce business specifically would be great and conducive to achieving that goal. How much time, if you, if you don't go out and get an operator for your business, how much time can you expect an investor to have to put inside of their business in order to make sure it functions, especially in the e-commerce space? Is there a, a ballpark figure of the amount of time that each business takes up per day? So it really depends. Every business is different. And when, uh, so that listing that I'm gonna make sure your listeners get, it has uh, basically marketplaces that list businesses for sale. And on those listings, the seller will actually say it takes, you know, 10 hours a week for me to operate this business or this business okay. operates, you know, I, I spend, it's basically full time. I spend 40 hours a week operating this business. So it really depends on the business. Um, and again, it depends on whether or not there are employees that are handling a lot of the day-to-day -day tasks. So if you, like I said, some, some investors prefer to be hands-on and they want to go in and they want to do everything themselves. And hey, that's you, more power to you. Um, and in those instances, you're probably going to need to dedicate a lot more time to operating the business. But these days, there's so many ways to automate things. You can automate social media posts. You can automate ads. You can automate uh, order fulfillment. There's so many different apps that support automation. So really, I, on average, from what I've seen, I would think somewhere between like five to 20 hours a week is what it would take to operate, um, I would say like a, a small e-commerce business. And by small, I mean, maybe under 150 annual revenue, 150,000 annual revenue, um, but it varies. So it could, it could be less than that, or it could be more than that. I have a couple more questions for you, but before I ask those, I wanna make sure that uh, our listeners um, we don't get cut off at the end. I want to make sure our listeners know exactly where to go. If somebody wants to be a client of yours and work with you. What is that like? What exactly are they walking into? Tell us more about that. Sure. So I actually go by the biz buyer on social media and that's B-I-Z buyer. Um, and I currently am working one-on-one -on -one with clients to help them not only learn the process of acquiring an e-commerce business, but also help them um, as they are looking for deals. So I advise them on their acquisition deals. I actually just had a client close on a business this week and he was very excited about that. And I just kind of helped them through the process of um, you know, having those seller meetings, making sure they understand the information that they need to conduct due diligence and understanding even what to do once they become the new owner. So there is a process, like I said, it's simple, but it's not easy. Um, I basically walk them through how to use these platforms to find businesses for sale and how to talk to sellers, how to negotiate what they should be negotiating and um, just the entire process of due diligence. I walked them through all of that, the entire process. And so um, if, any, if any of your listeners have any interest in acquiring an e-commerce business, please feel free to find me at The Biz Buyer 
Um, and you can also go to my website at bebizbuyer.co. And again, if you wanted to just access that free listing of marketplaces, it's on my website as well, thebizbuyer.co forward slash free. So definitely just find me um, on social media. I'm, I'm trying to be more active there so um, I can get this message out about this opportunity. And um, yeah, definitely send me a message or just check out my website to learn more. And I also see that you've uh, written a book as well on, on the same topic. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that as well. I have. I did write a book um, and it's basically the exact same thing. So I try to provide different resources, you know, for different people. Some learners prefer to just read and some people want you to just kind of actually walk them through through things um, or some people just prefer a course. And so I also offer uh, a course as well, Biz Buyer Academy, and that's a six-week course that allows them to uh, learn the entire process. And so um, the book was published last year, late last year, and it will basically go over the entire process of acquiring a business. And included in that are questions that you need to ask to evaluate the business to make sure that it's a, a good investment. Um, as well as, again, places to find businesses for sale and just ways to conduct due diligence. And I appreciate you doing that. You've been very busy. And I'm looking at all the different things that you're uh, working on. I know uh, before we began this episode, you were talking about uh, this tagline that we have at the podcast. And I always talk about how uh, the poor teach their children how to buy, the rich teach their children how to sell. And the wealthy, they teach their children how to acquire. What was it for you? Because you're writing the book, you're putting the course together, you have your clients, you decided, well, I'm going to teach people how to acquire. What was it? What was the calling over your life that, that said, well, I'm not going to keep this a secret. I'm going to share this with whoever comes within my frequency. You know what, DJ, I think for me, it was the moment I acquired a business and um, I had the, the business was based on the Shopify platform. And so I have the Shopify app on my phone so I can tell when sales come in. And the second that the business was transferred over to me, I started getting notifications of sales coming in mm. and it was, it was literally instant. And it was just so mind blowing for me that because because I had tried to start an e-commerce business before and hadn't found, you know, uh, consistent revenue or consistent success to go from that to I just bought one and now I'm making sales and I haven't even done anything with it yet was just I thought, OK, more people need to know about this because there's definitely more people out there that, that are like me who just want to own a business and don't necessarily have this you know, really creative idea for an app or something, you know, a website or, or something like that, but they just want to be a business owner because they know that that is a path to wealth. And so to know that you can, I like to say, skip the startup struggle mm -hmm. and basically go from, you know, zero to profitable business owner. Um, I just, I wanted to get that message out because I, I felt blessed to be able to have that knowledge myself and I felt the need to, or maybe even just the, the responsibility to get the message out so other people can be aware of the opportunity. I have one last bonus question here. You mentioned, um, this is actually my favorite class in grad school. So I have to ask this question. You mentioned before you acquired a business, you were a business analyst. Did I hear that correctly? Yes. That was one of my favorite classes in grad school. It was a business analysis class. And I loved it because it just came natural. And I'm wondering, now that I know that on, on that end, and now that I see that you acquired a business, how much did being a business analyst help uh, through this entire process? Was there any correlation or did they not relate at all? You know what? I never really put two and two together. That's that's actually interesting. Um, I would definitely say my experience as a business analyst and 
having that skill of being able to dig into the details of how a business operates mm -hmm. definitely has uh, helped me and informed me as an investor, because that is something that you, you do need to do. If you want to invest, you at least need to have a high level understanding of how a business operates, right? You need to understand maybe not day to day, like, oh, we post this, this kind of social media content, but you definitely need to know that the business uses uh, Facebook and email marketing, right? right. As an investor, you, you, you need to under, understand at a high level how the business operates, but maybe not just the, the details of the day-to-day. -day. So um, I think being a business anal analyst probably has definitely assisted me in this journey as an investor. But I would say that anyone, you know, one of the, one of the great things about buying a business is that generally as a part of the deal, as a part of the sale, the seller will actually agree to train the new owner on how to operate the business so that you're not just, you know, walking blind, you got this new business, but you don't know what to do. So the seller will actually agree to a transition period where they will actually train you on how to operate the business. So basically they'll teach you everything that they, that they did to keep the business running. And so I always tell people that if you've ever had a job, which most of us have, you probably had a period in the beginning where you had to go through some type of orientation, some type of training to learn how to do that job. Even if you had experience doing the exact same job at a different company, you probably still had some type of training or operational uh, orientation or something to train you on how to, how to conduct your role at that specific company. So if you've been able to success, successfully do that, then you can buy a business and be trained on how to operate it. It's the same deal. It's the same process, right? That success is transferable. So you, if you've ever been trained on how to operate a business, then you can definitely understand once a seller trains you on how to operate, how to operate their business, um, how to move forward. So I think it may have informed me, but I don't think that it would hinder me or anyone else if they didn't have that business analyst experience. Great point. Great point. I want to thank you so much for uh, having this conversation. Hopefully it's first of many uh, for us to continue this conversation because I don't think this is an area that's going anywhere. Businesses are always going to be uh, being bought and sold. And so the decision that uh, investors have to make is, is this an asset class that I want to be a part of that can position myself the right way and be one of those people who acquires a business. And if it's not, that's fine. Then go the direction you want to. But if it is a direction that you want to go, we now have a resource. We now have a perfect person for you to talk to uh, for this particular route. So I want to thank you again uh, for coming on How to Acquire Podcast. Thank you so much, DJ, for having me. And thank you for getting the word out and, and for the work that you're doing. It's very important. Thank you. Thank you. I'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Talk to you soon. Thank you.